the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. In November, crypto exchange Valor announced the world's first perpetual futures contract pairing Bitcoin and the South African Rand. You can now also buy a perpetual futures contract on Bitcoin against the US dollar, similar to that which is offered by the likes of other crypto exchanges like Binance and Kraken. Valor seems to be on a roll, recently announcing a partnership with card issuer Visa and was given approval to offer crypto services in Europe. At the same time, it's applying for licenses in Mauritius and Dubai, having received initial approval from Varo, which is Dubai's virtual assets regulatory authority. Traditional asset traders will be accustomed to futures contracts that expire, so the arrival of perpetual futures, at least on Bitcoin for the moment, no doubt presents some interesting possibilities for traders. Well, we're going to look into this in a little bit more detail, and we're joined in the studio by Gianluca Sacco, who is Chief Operating Officer at Valo. Hi, Gianluca. How are you? Great, Kieran. Thanks for having me. Good. All right. It's uh, good to talk to you again. It's been a while, though. Uh, perhaps we better kick off by explaining what is a perpetual futures contract and how does it differ from a traditional futures contract? Yeah, so maybe to kick off with a description of traditional futures. A futures contract allows people who are trading to set a price today for a particular transaction that they'd like to engage in um, for delivery at some time in the future. So let's say that with a very simple example, someone wants to buy apples but doesn't want to really uh, deal with the price fluctuation that might happen between today and perhaps six months' time. They could lock in a price today for a bag of apples for delivery in six months and so not have to worry about fluctuations in the price of whatever they'd like to either buy or sell. Those contracts have an expiry. They kind of come to an end. A perpetual future is a futures contract that does not have an expiry date. It continues indefinitely. And so the interesting innovation with perpetual futures is that someone can kind of express a view on deciding to buy or sell something like Bitcoin um, and get out of that position or trade whenever they like. There's no set expiry. Yeah, so you can trade to. the perpetual futures contract the same way as you could trade a spot Bitcoin. Exactly. It's very similar. Now, traditional futures, historically at least, involved actual delivery. So you'd actually get the apples at the end of the six months. Right? If, you, if you held to maturity. If you decided to hold. Exactly. Yeah. The other alternative is that those contracts are just net settled. So come the end of the six months, you don't really feel like buying from this particular supplier. You and that person that you've engaged in this contract with can just settle the difference in price, whatever that may be. You might have made a bit of money if the price uh, went up. That person may have made a little, money, a little bit of money if the price went down. Um, with perpetual futures, these are all net settled. So there's no actual delivery of real Bitcoin. There's no transfer of an asset. But when you decide to trade out of that contract, you either uh, made a profit if you expressed a view that was correct, i.e., you know, you bought this contract and the price went up of Bitcoin, or you might have lost money if the price did not go up, it actually went down. All right, so a perpetual futures contract is against the Bitcoin against the Rand. Mm. Is this the first in South Africa? This is the first, first in, in the, the world. world in actually. the world, okay. Yeah, so it's the first uh, perpetual futures contract against the South African Rand, where you can get exposure to the movement of price of Bitcoin and get paid out in Rands depending on how that price changes. What is your base price? Because I think people need to understand that Bitcoin has multiple prices across multiple markets. So Vala has its own marketplace. Correct. Is that your base price? Well, we actually, uh, 
are able to get an index of prices um, from a range of exchanges, and this helps us ensure that uh, the base price or what we call mark price is fair. That is a real representation of the price of a Bitcoin. And that's based on spot markets. It's based on the markets where actual Bitcoin trades. So we collect a, a range of uh, well, prices from a range of exchanges. As you've said, they can differ on different markets. Um, and we kind of compute an average. And that's the mark price. That is the true price of Bitcoin. So just talk about the market as it is at the moment. What is the difference between the, the futures price for Bitcoin and mm. the spot price at the moment? Well, it fluctuates. So the price of, of a futures contract, which is what you're kind of alluding to, can be different right from the spot price. They don't actually move in lockstep, not necessarily. And so at any given moment, uh, the price of Bitcoin can be at a premium or a discount to the spot price for a futures contract, right? And um, that fluctuation is actually an opportunity for uh, investors, for traders who understand perpetual fut- or futures trading in general and can effectively kind of arbitrage away the difference between a futures contract and the underlying spot price. And, that and so the, that, that arbitrage, what, what kind of yeah. percentage are we talking there typically Oof, would you find? I, yeah, I mean, let me take the very early <laughs> stages of Valor's own market um, where we've seen differences of up to like, I don't know, 0.25%. In the, in the price of Bitcoin. Oh, this is quite small. It's very different to spot, mm. right? And the opportunity is amplified by the fact that in the futures space, you can trade with leverage. So that 0.25% can be kind of amplified depending on how people are trading. Right, and you're offering leverage on these contracts up to five times, I up think. Up to five times, exactly. So perpetuals, futures trading is always leverage trade. Um, that's the way that's, that futures trading works. And so you have to put up what is called initial margin to engage in a trade. If you want to buy one Bitcoin of a futures contract, you need to put up 20% of the value of that Bitcoin today. And that gives you that exposure to one Bitcoin uh, on a futures contract. Right. And you're getting the five times leverage, which, of course, can burn you hard if you get a drop of uh, 70%. And, of course, we see this all the time where people liquidate their positions because the market's just gone too far too fast. It is very important to say, I guess, that... um, like futures trading does involve leverage. It is a product that we've thought about building for a professional user base. One of the more, I guess for me, exciting elements of this is that when we set out to kind of build a futures trading engine, we were asking ourselves what will help drive a wider range of adoption of crypto. There's a set of professional traders who just can't get access to crypto today on spot markets because they don't want to hold spot crypto. They can't convince their risk teams that it makes sense for them to have uh, Bitcoin on the balance sheet, if that makes sense. Whereas with something like Bitcoin Rand Perpetual Futures, you don't need to hold the underlying asset. You can hold Rand in a bank account with a trusted exchange like Valor and get exposure to price movements in Bitcoin. So you still get to trade the asset class. You don't have to hold the underlying asset. And I think that's an interesting opportunity. So does that open the door to institutional investors who are prevented by their mandates from actually holding the underlying, which is Bitcoin spot, they can now trade Bitcoin futures. I think it helps remove one barrier. And in time, I think it'll be an important reason that, that, that institutions do decide to trade crypto. Crypto trading today uh, accounts for more than 70% of global crypto trade. Perpetuals trading. Really? Perpetuals futures trading accounts for more than 70% of global 
crypto trade. Okay, so you, you mentioned that the professionals would be the real target for these perpetual futures. What are some of the use cases for it? Uh, I mean, we mentioned arbitrage. So yes. the arbitrage is massive in the crypto space. People looking for price differences between Luno and Valor and buying one and selling the other and trying to make a very small percentage profit. But if you do that often enough, mm. you can make quite a good turn. And then, of course, there's the, the, the people who are the professional arbitrage firms. Yes. Who are doing this? And I, I think you are involved in that, or you used to be. Used to be. Used to be. Yeah, okay, no that, that's where you're using your foreign currency allowance. You're buying Bitcoin on Kraken or someplace mm. like that, shipping it to SA, yes. and where it traditionally would be maybe one and a half to two and a half percent. Yeah, more expensive. Yeah. So with perpetual futures trading, there are a number of opportunities. The first is that it's a good hedging mechanism, actually. So with a futures trade, you can buy or sell. So you can express an opinion about the price going up or down, right? So for those people who perhaps are holding crypto, want to hold it for the long term, feel a little bit allergic to massive price declines <laughs> uh, at any given time, they can go short on a futures contract while holding their underlying asset and they're hedged. So they're not incurring the capital loss of you know, the price of Bitcoin going down in such a situation. Um, as a very specific example, for arbitrage traders in South Africa, they actually need to go and buy crypto offshore and bring it to South Africa. That can take some time, right? To hedge the price movement while you're waiting for rands to get to some other country and, you know, and then to procure crypto, you could hedge by going short on a futures contract. So that's a very real South African use case. Right. So you're locking in your profit and whatever happens in the hours that it takes for your Bitcoin to arrive mm. is not going to affect you. Exactly. There are also many other use cases. I mean, again, we've spoken about institutional access to the space and wanting to either go long or short based on their opinion. An element that's also quite prevalent in the crypto space is that the kind of arbitrage trade you can do on futures, you can kind of generate a yield. You can generate a interest return. Uh, or something akin to an interest return on, on a futures contract. Um, I haven't mentioned explicitly, but the manner by which a futures contract stays in lockstep with the spot price is through something called a funding rate. Effectively, longs, one side that is holding positions that have purchased this contract, face directly the side that have sold the contract. Right? This is like direct counterparty matching. It's principle to principle, two people that one decides that they want to express the opinion to go long, the other wants to go short. If the price of Bitcoin is trading too high on the futures market compared to spot, the guys who are long are paying funding every hour on Valor to the guys who are short, paying an interest rate to try and bring, incentivize bringing the price back to what the spot price is. And so there's a strategy there that people can employ to earn that funding rate. And that is something that is quite prevalent in the crypto space. And that could reverse as well, because if the, yeah. the the prevailing view is that Bitcoin is going to drop in price, then the funding rate would be paid by the people who are short to the people who are long. Correct. Right. What's the reaction been from the market to the introduction of perpetual futures at yeah. Valor? We've been encouraged. So to put some numbers to it, on the BTC czar perpetual market, we've seen over 10 million rand in trading volume in the first week. It is very much at the early stages for us. This is a brand new product to the South African market. It's an entirely new instrument, as we've said. Um, and so we're looking forward to um, observing how all of our customers, because it's available to everyone on Valor, by the way, um, how they decide to come and trade 
this particular do, market. Do you think there's going to be an, a barrier in terms of the complexity of futures? People who maybe have never traded them before might find this a little bit of a leap. Yeah, there may very well be initially. We've designed this product accessible in the same way that our spot markets are. So anyone who's familiar with our pro trading interface should have the, a very, very similar experience in trading futures. What is important to understand and important for people to evaluate before they decide to test this out is that there is leverage trade here. Um, and so there is the risk that you could be liquidated if your margin or the capital that you have in your account is not sufficient for a position that you hold. Right. Um, and so there's definitely education that, uh, that is an important element of building this type of product. But it's clear that it's got product market fit, that it's widely traded and highly traded. And so I think we're excited by the opportunity to give access to people in South Africa. Is this the first of a number of different perpetual futures contracts that you're planning to unroll? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the beautiful things about futures is that it allows us to, to offer almost anything as a pair, anything where you can build an index price, a fair market price, uh, you, can, you can offer a, a futures contract. Uh, obviously, we're a crypto company. We'll be looking to list many um, uh, crypto assets on our derivatives market. But what's also interesting is that this, does, this gives us the opportunity to look at real world assets again, to list other assets as perpetual futures markets on Valor. And not necessarily crypto. Not necessarily. You, you could tokenize uh, or, or convert to a digital facsimile, a real-world asset like a property or yeah. uh, gold. It's very simple with futures trading to do such a thing. Because, again, these are, these are contracts that are net settled and don't take delivery of that house. <laughs> right. And so you can kind of express an opinion about any financial asset that we choose to list. So 70% of the trade in, in crypto is actually happening on the futures market. Correct. And is that growing? Yes, it absolutely is. So global trade volumes in the derivative space for crypto are tens of billions of dollars every day. Um, and this is a number that has been growing steadily over time. What about a person who's doing dollar cost averaging? That's where you would buy a regular amount of Bitcoin mm -hmm. Uh, regardless of what the price is, because it has been shown to be an effective way to acquire Bitcoin. Could you do that? Could you incorporate perpetual futures into a strategy like that? So in other words, I'm, I'm guaranteeing myself a price mm. three months from now. Yeah. So I think it's slightly different to dollar cost averaging because you would be locking in a price today and having to kind of put up the capital to take that kind of position. But you absolutely could lock in a price today on the futures market, continue to deposit funds on the regular cadence for your dollar cost averaging strategy, um, and just kind of buy spot Bitcoin as you deposit funds and slowly exit your futures long, your futures position. And that would be effectively dollar cost averaging, but at a fixed price at the beginning of right. the period, right. um, which is different to d d uh, dollar cost averaging. I think the intention with dollar cost averaging is to take the fluctuations in price into account and kind of get a smooth investment cycle into, into crypto, where we offer kind of direct bank transfer auto buys on Valor, where people can like automatically set up payments from their bank account that buy Bitcoin uh, as it lands at Valor. Let's change gear here a little bit. Just take us through, we come to the end of the year, the, the big milestones in crypto over the last year. What stood out for you? Yeah, maybe some of the less obvious stuff first that may be interesting. After tumultuous 2022, um, 2023 has really been a year in which people have put their heads down and built. 
So we've seen advancements in technology to make, uh, to make blockchains, excuse me, more scalable. We've also seen advancements in technology to make blockchains more interoperable, um, which are exciting developments. The third is that there's been quite a big push towards tokenization of real-world assets again. And some interesting work has gone into building new startups, actually, that offer real-world assets on a blockchain. Something as simple as a, like a U.S. Treasury that offers you a good rate of return these days has been put onto a blockchain and offered as a product by crypto firms. Then perhaps changing tack a little bit, from a regulatory perspective, mm. we've seen enforcement actions by the SEC in America. Yes. Very recently, Binance has had its CEO step down. And there's probably quite a lot of change coming in the near term as it relates to the large crypto exchanges. We've also seen some major wins for the like of Grayscale, who operates uh, a very large Bitcoin trust in the U.S. Um, I and think Ripple. maybe just explain what Grayscale is. It's a way for institutions to acquire Bitcoin without actually owning it because you're buying shares in effect. Exactly. It's a closed in trust where yeah. people can invest money but cannot, uh, uh, cannot, cannot exit. It's yeah. a one-way street at the moment. Um, they've won a case against the SEC who have been blocking their ability to convert into a spot ETF, which would have been very uh, beneficial to the market for that to happen. Um, on that tack, we are actually seeing great progress towards a spot Bitcoin ETF being listed. The likes of BlackRock, many large financial institutions in the US are actively pursuing um, a, Bitcoin, a spot Bitcoin ETF, which will be a and, huge... And there are a futures ETFs on Bitcoin. Yes. They've been allowed, but not the spot. Which is very strange, but yes. <laughs> is there any chance that you might launch a, a futures ETF? It's something we've thought about. I must say we've thought more about doing some form of spot vehicle rather than a futures ETF. Um, I think that kind of area is fairly well saturated globally. Um, but yes, it's something that we might consider in the future. What about the regulatory side here in South Africa? Because I think we've just hit the deadline for applying for a CASP license, which is a crypto asset service provider license. So one would expect the licenses to start rolling out from the Financial Sector Conduct Authority quite soon. Yeah, so that deadline is the 30th of November, so approaching really fast. And we're one of the first uh, entities in South Africa to apply for that license. We have not yet heard anything from the FSCA, but I believe that their intention is to wait for the period by which people can apply to close and then to start providing those licenses to the market. So we're waiting expectantly. Right. And usually there's a toing and froing because they're going to ask questions. You've got to reply to it. It's not a quick process, I would imagine. Yeah. That process has been ongoing for about six months for us. Oh, it has. Okay. So we are already kind of past, hopefully, many of those questions. And on that subject, you were recently given approval to offer crypto services in Europe. Yes. What are your plans there? Yeah. So international expansion has been an area that we've been thinking about deeply. It's a challenge <laughs> to expand. I mean, even as a rule, South African business trying to expand outside of its borders has, is not an easy task. We definitely don't take it lightly. But we would love to serve a global audience. Our mission is to, to, to provide our services to as wide a range of people as we can. And the expansion into Europe is immediately really helpful because it allows us banking where we can accept uh, dollar deposits and payout USD um, and is the first step towards our ability to expand into new geographies. All right. So what's in the pipeline now for 2024? What, what you, you've kind of hinted at a few things that there, there's going to be more perpetual futures contracts. Yep. Uh, what do you see coming up? 
So our users can definitely expect many more improvements to our professional exchange, including more futures markets, more spot markets as well. We have spot margin trading, expect more assets to be usable as collateral for spot margin trading and futures trade as well. Um, as well as not, not just uh, not just crypto as collateral, could you have other forms of collateral? Well, today we have RANDs as well. RANDs, okay, fiat, um, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, and, and, and we'll be looking at expanding that list, um, as well as like additional order types that people can make use of. Um, there's a lot coming in 2024, we hope. We're looking at the payment space quite closely. There's many partnerships that we've... Uh, that we've added that are going to be really exciting for us in 2024. We're working with Stitch, for example. We already have the ability for customers to pay for groceries at Pick and Pay directly from Valipay um, in partnership with CryptoConvert, another great company in the space in South Africa. And yeah, we're looking to expand options for payments as well, potentially. And then perhaps finally, um, expect us to kind of continued out a journey of trying to make our exchange more accessible to people. Um, so we are looking to make our user face more accessible to the everyday customer. There's an expectation that like in the last year, we've spent a lot of time um, on professional features, as you might imagine. There's going to come a point at which we're going to revisit how we make sure that all of the building blocks that we've built at Valor become accessible to all of our customers. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of thinking going into how to make our platform more accessible. How old is Vala now? It's about five years old. Did you ever imagine you'd be sitting here five years <laughs> when you launched this company, uh, five years later? Yeah, I think um, at the outset, we only had a small idea of the, the place we might end up um, five years on. We're very thankful to be in the position we're in. Uh, today, we account for more than 50% of South Africa's market. Um, and we would never have thought that we would have ended up in this in this position. You all came out of R&B, right? Some of us did. Some of you, okay. Yeah. And um, I mean, a question that does come to mind is stable coins. Mm. If, if you look at the, the top 10 ranked by market cap cryptos, you find that the, I think there's three stable coins, US dollar backed stable coins in there. Is this your experience as well? This is, this is, been described as the killer use case for the blockchain is, mm-hmm. is that you can have something which is which mimics fiat currency, which mimics the dollar or the rand. Yeah. Um, it creates all kinds of legislative problems or regulatory problems because you can send that anywhere in the world, bypassing central bank controls and so on. But is, is your experience that that a lot of people are using the crypto exchange for stable coins? I think there's a very clear, very compelling use case for stable coins. Um, given the state of the global economy, um, it's been interesting, right, to observe how the dollar has maintained its global dominance as a reserve currency. I think it's, it's difficult to count on, on, on one hand the number of currencies that have outperformed the U.S. dollar in the last two years. Um, and there's definitely a compelling need, I think, for people to have access to hedge by holding U.S. dollars. Um, there's also much better interest rates in the U.S. today than there have been for decades, right? And so the opportunity to earn something like 4 or 5% holding something that um, is pegged to the value of a U.S. dollar is life-changing for some people, I think. And I think that's a really important benefit that can be a widely accessible feature to people. I think everyone has a place in their portfolio to hold um, a stable currency that earns a good yield.
I'm going to offer an opinion here. You can reject it if you like. But I get the sense that crypto exchanges like Valor are beginning to look a lot like banks because you've got Valor Pay, which is a payment system. You're offering investment bank services like Perpetual Futures. You've got an exchange where you can buy spot cryptocurrencies. And, and I think the list of cryptocurrencies you've got is quite extensive, probably more than 60 or 70, something like that. You really are kind of encroaching into traditional banking space, right or wrong? Um, I think there's many parallels, of course, because we are running a business that handles people's money, right, and offers services in the space of how you handle your financial affairs. So there are many similarities between what Valor does and what the banking industry does. And I think that these two areas are probably going to come closer together in time, right? Um, And so I think there's many exciting opportunities ahead to offer uh, services that help people maintain wealth and build wealth um, and doing so with technology that's fit for the 21st century and really is of service to the customer base that is using it. Gianluca, something occurred to me here is that with the perpetual futures, you could potentially, somebody who wants to buy a Bitcoin, it's Mm. now, what, about 700,000 Rand. Correct. You can acquire that at today's price for a down payment of 20%, which would be, what, roughly 150,000 Rand or something like that. And then you can acquire, you can basically over the next several months just continue to purchase your Bitcoin piece by piece, but at today's price. So if there's a run-up, as a lot of people are expecting, in the Bitcoin price with a halving coming up next year, which means the rate of issuance of Bitcoin is going to be halved. Uh, is traditionally associated with a bull run. It's a way for people, it's a strategy that people could use. Hey, I've always wanted a Bitcoin, but it's too expensive. Yeah. It's a way, is that ridiculous? Well, that? I mean, you're, you're exactly right in that um, if someone has that belief that a bull market is upon us and just doesn't have the capital today, but ultimately will, to be able to spend 700,000 Rand on one Bitcoin at today's price, then they can absolutely lock in that price for one full BTC by putting up 20% of the value of that asset on a futures trade, and then piecemeal, month by month, put in the money, buy spot Bitcoin, and slowly sell that futures position. And at the end of the day, you'll have your one BTC for 700,000 Rand. Gianluca Sacco, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us on the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kieran. For listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.